Some time ago, my uh, wife and I were in a furniture store. It was a small uh, furniture, small, small enough so that when there was a crashing sound, everyone in the store heard it. Apparently, a little girl shopping with her mom made a mistake. A little girl about oh, six years old uh, touched a picture frame uh, that was obviously nested in with other uh picture frames, and uh, when she touched it, uh, it all came crashing down onto this uh, glass coffee table, and the noise caught the attention of everyone in the store, but nothing was broken, and so everyone would have just gone back to their shopping, uh, but something else followed that was impossible to ignore. The mother of this little daughter uh, took her by the shoulders and began to shout in her face, saying, Julie, how could you be so stupid? I told you not to touch anything in this store. What are you deaf? You disgust me. And little Julie just was limp in her uh, shaking of the shoulders and went white and uh, then began to shiver and sob. And then as the last act, this mother uh, took her daughter's hand and began to bolt uh, to the door, walking faster than a little girl can walk. And so Julie's lurching and uh, stumbling and crying as her mother is saying, I can't take you anywhere. How could you be so stupid? I'm just trying to describe to you. It was a disturbing scene. And... Uh, There were several customers around who said, that poor little girl. And this episode makes me ask some questions that I'd like us to wrestle with today. Questions like, what makes people act harshly? What do harsh people hope to accomplish through intimidation and threats and anger? And what does the harsh approach actually accomplish? What if we were to bring uh, Julie's mother uh, in here and just ask her these questions? Well, I think for the first uh, question, Julie's mother would say, Oh, what made me act harshly? Julie made me act harshly. When she knocked over those things, she embarrassed me. She made me look like a bad mother. And that made me really angry. And so I said and did those harsh things to her. And after that brief interview, we'd have some answers to our questions. What made Julie's mom so harsh? Well, a superficial answer was, it was Julie. But, you know, we can see beyond that. We could see, as she answers later, that the real problem is her anger on the inside. And that's the real reason people act harshly with intimidation. And and it's anger, frustration, impatience on the inside. And then Julie's mom answers that second question about what harsh people hope to accomplish. Julie's mom was harsh because she wanted to overcome her embarrassment and the impression that she was not a good mom, which leads us to the third question about what the harsh approach really accomplishes. Did being harsh actually accomplish what Julie's mom wanted? Well, if Julie's mom wanted to overcome embarrassment and the impression that she was not A good mom, well then by being harsh, she did not accomplish her goal. Harshness did just the opposite. By being harsh, Julie's mom embarrassed herself even more and left people shaking their heads saying, that poor little girl, 
which is the way it always is. The harsh approach never accomplishes anything good. It just makes things worse. And I would like us to think today about harshness and gentleness and how being gentle brings joy on so many levels and how being harsh does just the opposite. And to do this, and I believe God really wants to speak to us today, not just someone else, not the person next to you, but to you, to me. To do this, we want to go to one of the most famous and often misunderstood statements Jesus ever made. It's a statement that appears in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, as part of the list called the Beatitudes. It's the third Beatitude, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's study this beatitude by asking three more questions. Uh, what does Jesus mean by the word meek? Two, question two, what does Jesus mean by the meek inheriting the earth? And question three, how do I become one of the blessed? The first question is, what does Jesus mean by the word meek? Actually, the question that we're interested in here is not the English definition of meek, but we want to know the definition of the Greek word that has been translated into the word meek. And the Greek word is praos. Uh, sadly, it turns out that the English word meek is really a poor translation of the original Greek word praos. The problem is that today the word meek means weak and fragile and passive and spineless. And that is miles away from the real definition of praos. The best definition of the Greek word praos is gentle. Because praos and gentle are two words that both apply to someone who possesses power and strength. In fact, here's a good definition of gentleness or praos. Gentleness is exercising power within my relationships in a kind and Christ-like way. And it may surprise you to think of gentleness as power. But praos and the word gentle both imply the possession of some kind of strength. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say you go to the zoo and you have a terrific view of a father grizzly bear who's playing uh, with his little bear cub. And you would say, ah, look at that father grizzly who is so gentle with his cub. But you would never say, oh, look at how that little bear cub is gentle with his grizzly father. The reason you would never say the teddy bear is gentle is because gentleness always assumes power and strength. A bear cub can't be gentle because it's weak. It, but an adult grizzly has the power to you know, do terrible things to that little uh, cub, And so when the grizzly exercises uh, kindness, power in play, we say that grizzly is being gentle. Gentleness always assumes the possession of power. The other thing that gentleness always assumes is a relationship. Gentleness is not just a state of mind. It's a way of treating people in relationships. When God calls me to be gentle, he's calling me to be like him. God is gentle. God has infinite power. But in a relationship with me, God exercises that power in a way that's infinitely gentle. But you may be saying, how can I exercise gentle power when I don't have any power in my relationship? So, yes, you do. And let me just list some ways where I have power in my relationships. I have power 
as a parent. You know, being a parent is probably the most high-powered position in the world. As a parent, I have the power in my child's life that no one else has or will ever have. I have the power to be the subject of my child's joy in life or the subject of my child's counseling sessions in life. Uh, as a parent, I can be harsh and threatening and intimidating and volatile, or I can choose to be Christ-like in gentleness by exercising the power that I have in that relationship, the power of affirmation, the power of unconditional love, the power of praise, and the power of just listening to my child. I also have incredible power as a spouse. Husbands and wives have high-powered positions in each other's lives. As a spouse, I can be hard to please and critical and insensitive and unforgiving. I have the power to grind my spouse down with contempt and harsh words. Or I have the power to show Christ-like gentleness by exercising the power of believing the best in my spouse and drawing out the best through my attentiveness and my thoughtfulness and unselfish serving of my spouse. I have power as a child. As long as my parents are living, I have the power to bring them either the greatest joy or the greatest pain. Christ-like gentleness is showing the power of expressing true gratitude, respect, and honor to my parents. I also have the power as a sibling. Can I just talk to the students here uh, just for a moment? Uh, If you have a younger brother or sister who looks up to you, you have power in that relationship. Christ-like gentleness means exercising that power to encourage your kid brother or sister by showing interest in every area of their life, including their spiritual lives. And if you just let them follow you as you follow Jesus, you'll be the hero that they're talking about for the rest of their lives. Then in the work world, I have the power as a supervisor, you know, where in Christ-like gentleness, I can exercise Exercise the power of kindness as I seek the best for those who report to me. Also, I have the power as a neighbor. You know, this is a catch-all category that includes uh, my role as a friend or as a co-worker or even a customer. In each case, I have the power to bring joy to people in the way I exercise my power in that relationship or I can bring misery. Gentleness means that whatever power I have in every relationship, and I do have power, and it's just the choice of how I decide to use it. Gentleness is using that power to bring joy into others' lives in a way that spills over with joy into my life. But, you know, I want to mention one other place, one other relationship where I have power. I have power as a victim. You know, and being a victim can be as undramatic as, say, having a friend accept your invitation to dinner and then having that friend forget so that you are uh, home alone with a cooked meal, uh, no friend, no guest. And if my friend makes that mistake, I've got power. (laughs) I've got power uh, to make my friend feel really bad and really guilty. I also have the power to be gracious. But that's an, an example of... You know how uh, being a victim can be very undramatic. Like me, you've probably also been a victim in some very intense and hurtful ways. And whenever I become a victim, I have 
power. I have the power to let my wrath fly in a way that beats up people on the outside, or I can let my wrath eat me up on the inside. But I also have the power of the gentle. I can live out the truth of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, where God says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. And that applies to both on the outside and on the inside. Whenever someone hurts me or criticizes me, I have the power to perpetuate the anger cycle or stop it. Through gentleness, I have the power to refuse to return hurt with more hurt. In fact, through gentleness, I actually have the power to return hurt with blessing. I have the power to build others up and create a positive cycle of joy and stop a perpetual cycle of anger. And this is what Jesus is getting to with the promise that the gentle will inherit the earth. That's our second question. What does Jesus mean by the gentle inheriting the earth? Well, let me first go back 2,000 years and just remark that uh, the people who first heard Jesus and this uh, beatitude, they knew exactly what Jesus meant by inheriting the earth. Because these people knew the Old Testament by heart and they knew that Jesus was expanding on a famous statement made by King David in Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is a poem by David, more like a sermon. And uh, David's sermon contrasts two types of people who both want the same thing. Uh, In this sermon, uh, David contrasts people who are harsh and intimidating and threatening and how they want land And he contrasts them to those who are gentle and loving and trusting in God and how they want land. And both the harsh and the gentle both want land because in those days, land represented peace, prosperity, success, and security. But although these two groups wanted the same thing, they pursued that land desire in two different ways. The harsh were impatient and angry and uh, uh, and violent and intimidating, whereas the gentle really trusted God and were compassionate toward others. And God's message through Psalm 37 is that harsh people will never experience the peace and prosperity they want because God himself will make sure that they do not succeed. Just like you know, Julie's mother did not accomplish what she wanted with her harshness. On the other hand, the gentle will receive peace and prosperity and everything they want and more because God promises to make sure that they receive it, that land, as an inheritance. And the key phrase appears in Psalm 37, verse 10. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. That's the harsh. But the meek, the praos, the gentle, will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And Jesus' listeners knew exactly that Jesus was expanding on this very promise. They understood that Jesus was saying that the gentle get far more than just the land that as an inheritance. But God arranges things so that the blessed gentle inherit the whole earth. Jesus is saying that the gentle are super blessed by God. The gentle do not just get what they want, but God arranges things so that 
through their gentle ways, they get more than they could ever dream. And this is where I just want to come back again because this is not about somebody else. This is about us. We need to learn that the harsh ways do not work in our lives, but God is leading us to use the power that we have in our relationships to something that will lead us to something that's greater than we could ever dream, which leads to that last uh, question. How do I become one of the blessed gentle? God tells us in Scripture, first, to be gentle, I must forsake inner anger. Uh, this is what God says in James chapter 1. A person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, with praos, gentleness, accept the word planted in you which can save you. What made Julie's mother harsh? It wasn't Julie. It was her inner anger and frustration. And the same goes with those harsh in uh, Psalm 37. Those harsh land-grabbing people are identified as people filled with rage and bitterness. And this harsh approach does not work. This internal rage does not bring about the life God desires or that I desire for myself. But there is joy in being gentle. When Jesus says, blessed are the gentle, for they'll be given the whole earth, Jesus is saying that I'll never experience the fullness that God has in my life until I deal with the inner anger that makes me harsh. And the same goes for you. If you want to experience God's whole earth blessing, inheritance, you must stop. You must stop the lifestyle of harshness and tolerating what level of anger and bitterness that still is lingering inside. This isn't somebody else. This is me. This is you. And for some listening to me right now, this is the day when you hear God saying to you, stop. Stop the anger tapes. Stop the revenge fantasies. Stop the harshness inside. And let me bless you. You say, how do I do it? How do I stop the madness? Well, the Bible outlines three steps for, towards forsaking inner anger. The first step is repent. Or I ask God for forgiveness for the way I've held on to bitterness and anger. Step two, I request. I ask God to heal me on the inside. And three, I release. I forgive those who hurt me. To find the joy of the gentle, I must forsake inner anger. It's a process. It doesn't happen instantaneously. But I tell you, based on all that God says in his word, it does start Somewhere, and it starts with what's summarized in those three words repent, request, and release. It's a, a process that may include maybe having a, a human counselor who leads you through this process. But one thing scripture makes clear is that in order to be gentle, I must have a divine counselor, I must have a divine mentor, which is the next truth. I must accept, if I'm going to become one of the blessed gentle, to be gentle, I must follow Jesus. Jesus is gentle. 
I am not. By myself, I don't know how to exercise power in my relationships in a way that brings joy to others and myself. But when I let Jesus live in me, what I can't do, Jesus does. He teaches me the joy of being gentle. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary, anybody weary, anybody burdened, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am praos, gentle and humble in heart. This is what it means to experience the whole earth inheritance blessing of a Christ follower. It means that day by day I learn from Jesus how to exercise power in my relationships in a kind and loving way that brings joy to others and spills over into my life. Jesus is the very definition of this. The one who died for you, he calls you to follow him to this whole earth blessing that God has for you. Follow Jesus. Learn from Him the joy of being gentle. Let's talk to Him now.